Hello. Hello. It's so, so good to maybe not see everybody, but at least you guys are seeing us. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Mama G and Papa G. <laughs> we just wanted to say hi and we wanted to let you guys know that we miss you so much and we pray for you and we really, really wish we could be there with you. And, and man, we, we miss these times getting together as a family. Um, yeah, when I think about family, I, I think about many things, but Mi Amor has this really awesome thing she wants to share with us <laughs> about family. Um, when I think about family, I think of God's identity, a mm. triune God being a community. Mm. So what better way to learn about this than knowing who God is and learning about his identity. Exactly. And, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. We've been talking about being rooted and today we're going to be talking about being rooted in family. So Mi Amor and I just wanted to say hi and say that from the bottom of our hearts, we miss our family in PE mm. and we wish we could be there with you guys. Yeah. When I first came to the PE church, I will never forget it. The big sign that said Port Elizabeth Church of Christ and I walked through the door and people are dancing and excited and encouraged to be there. I came for the first time to the PE church on a midweek. And I will never forget the kind of conversations that I heard. People in the, for, in the foyer, in the front, were talking about deep things. They were talking about their lives. They were talking about what, what they're going through and what they're struggling with. It was different from previous experiences that I've had where people just hang out and kind of catch up on the very surface level. People were talking deeply. And I remember joining the P Church and having more and more conversations and hearing. I will never forget the midweeks when men were just putting their sins out there in front of who knows how many people. And people were just being so vulnerable and so real. I actually remember a couple of years back, one of the campus students, after he became a disciple, he confessed to me and he told me, you know what, Jared, I, I didn't really want to go to the hangout that you guys were inviting me to. But when I went, this is what I saw. And he told me about how he saw this unique, diverse group of people that were crazy but that actually loved each other. And that because they loved each other so much, he went back and he talked to, to one of his close family members and he told them they actually love each other. It's not just words and games, they actually do. And that is what hooked him to keep coming back and eventually study the Bible. You see that the reality is that if I talk to you guys about family, what can I say? In my mind, you guys have been an incredible example of family yourselves. You, under, you understand what family is and you have taught me what family is. So it, it's really hard for me to have a sermon and preach about family because one, you know the verses. Two, you know how to do it. So, so what can I say um, all the way here in De La Revo where I can't be here with you guys today? What can I say about family? Well, well let me tell you what's on my heart. I fear that because of what's happened over the past year and a half, we were losing a little bit of what we know to be so good and so true. That, that the enemy has used this crazy circumstance to pull us apart and divide us and put us all into our, our own corners to try to keep each other safe and try to not um, yeah, promote more of this disease, but at the same time, at the expense of maybe losing depth and intimacy, and some of those great things that we had as a family. So today, I don't have a, a, a three-point sermon. Today, I don't have a structure where I told you three things to remember, and they all start with the same letter like I usually do. 
because today I want to speak from here, not just from here. Don't get me wrong. The other sermons I preach are obviously from the heart and more importantly, they're from God's heart, from his word. But, but today it's just, I feel so, it's so hard for me to just tell you three points, to just tell you three verses and to, and to tell you go and live that way. It's so hard because I have so many memories and so many good memories. And at the same time, I'm afraid that we might be losing some of that because of the crazy circumstance that we live in. So please bear with me, be patient with me, and please believe me more than anything. I wanna remind you and I what a great family God has given us and how we can be that family still today. So this is not a message of rebuke or, or criticism, it's a message of love and encouragement to become that kind of family as always. So here's the verses, right? You know them. Um, if you go in your Bible or maybe Dean can put the verse down there on Acts chapter 2. Um, where else do you start when you speak about God's family than in the beginning of God's family, right? In the beginning of the church. Acts chapter 2, right after Peter preaches this amazing sermon, um, Luke narrates and he describes God's family this way. I'm going to read from verse 42 and onwards. It says, The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. I'm reading the NLT translation that adds that little bit into prayer. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, worshiping together at the temple each day, meeting in homes for the Lord's Supper and sharing meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of, the, of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. What, what a great picture. What an amazing, encouraging picture of what the church could be. Everybody enjoying. It says great awe and joy in every single one of them. And every disciple absolutely devoted to the teaching of the apostles, to prayers, to fellowship, and to the, the communion, the Lord's Supper, to the sacraments that, that Jesus has left for us. And, and it's such a beautiful verse that I really don't have to remind you what this is all about. But, but what really intrigues me is, is how they live in this way. I mean, Peter had preached and there was maybe 120 of them together. And then after he preaches, 3,000 of them at least joined them. So how do you become a family of 3,000 already? Like, that's crazy to me. But for them, it was through connection. I mean... When you come into a crowd of 3,000 people, there's no ways you know everybody's name there. So what you got to do? Well, you start meeting person by person. And that's what they did. They went home from home, meeting together, praying together, fellowshipping together. That, that is what blows my mind. Um, that they, they, they took this new identity of God's family seriously. And they were trying to become God's family. The, the next verse that you probably know, and I, you don't even have to go there, you probably can quote it from memory, is John chapter 13, right? John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, where Jesus tells his disciples, a new command I give to you. Love one another like I've loved you. 
Jesus introduces these disciples to this radical idea, not to love one another because they know how to do that. They know that God commands in Leviticus 19 to love our neighbor as ourselves. But Jesus introduces this radical new idea to love one another like he loves us. And we study the Bible with people and we talk about this on Bible talks and family groups. And we know, we know, we know this verse. We know we're supposed to love one another. But what's crazy to me about Jesus' radical idea of loving one another is that he says that by this, everybody will know that we're his disciples. It's not by the greatest, newest event that we could put together. It's not by having the best brochure or having the most amazing website, although I think that should be important. I'm grateful that there's people working on it. Um, Jesus doesn't say it's not a new event nor a new set of Bible studies or evangelism series. It's not about how well we perform in all of these other areas. He says that people will know we're Christians. People will know we're his disciples if we do one thing, and that's love one another the way he loves us. That's the revolutionary thought. That's the new commandment that this is, this is too crazy to believe. And again, I, I, we don't have to preach about this. You know this verse. You know it. You know that this is true, that the way we love one another is what's going to show the world who Jesus is. And, and then John who, who wrote this in, in his gospel, then goes a bit further in his letter, the letter of 1 John chapter 3. In, in verse 18, he says, Dear children, let us not love in, like in word, but in deed and in action. He tells us and reminds the, the, the church that he's writing to and reminds you and I that if we're going to love and we're going to love like Jesus did, it has to be more than just words. It has to be action. It has to be seen. It has to be completely involving every single part of our beings. We can't just say, hey, I love you. I love you. And then not do anything about it. I'm actually remi- remembering this story that I heard this one preacher say about how this guy who was just super encouraging would go from house to house or not house to house. Sorry. He would go from person to person at the church and he would start talking about how he loves everybody. He'd be like, bro, I love you, dude. You're so cool. I just love you, sister. I love you so much. God, God. God loves you so much that this preacher guy once, um, when he knew he was going to do that, this guy was going to come and say, oh, I love you so much. God loves you so much. One time he grabs a bucket and he puts a lot of water and soap and the guy comes and he's like, oh, my brother, I love you so much. And this guy's like, oh, I love you too. Here you go. And he hands him the bucket. And the guy's like, what is this? And he says, well, you love me so much and I know you love me so much that I know you're not going to mind washing my car. It's been really dirty and I haven't had time to really wash it myself. Would you be able to help me with that? And the point of the story is clear, right? Is what's the point of saying I love you, I love you, if you're really not going to do anything about it? And I think that's what John is trying to tell us in 1 John 3, right? Our love has to be in word, not just in word, but in deed and action. And and how many other verses could we talk about? I mean, what do you think the rest of the New Testament is? If you read the New Testament very quickly, you will notice two very important things. One, the New Testament authors are constantly emphasizing and preaching against false doctrine. All these false doctrines are coming into the church. Um, Syncretism, legalism, uh, the Judaizers, all of these kinds of stuff, Gnosticism, all of these things. And the the New Testament authors are constantly saying, no, 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 that's not not the gospel. That's not the truth. They're constantly reteaching and rejecting all of those false teachings that are coming into the church. But what's the other thing you're going to notice? You're going to notice this author's 
spending so much time talking about relationship dynamics. I mean, it makes sense, right? All of a sudden, this massive amount of people become family. What, what are they going to do? They're going to have issues. They're not going to agree with everything. I mean, people were coming from absolutely different worldviews where there was rich and poor and there was this class system and there was this race system and there was all of these different things. And all of a sudden, you put them together. You expect it to just go well. No, they're going to still disagree because their worldview still needs to be rewired. So what is the rest of the New Testament? It's just a bunch of advice on relationship dynamics. I mean, it's so much about relationship that Paul literally mentions these two ladies in his letter to the Philippians that are having a conflict. And he tells them in the middle of his letter, stop it. You ladies need to stop arguing because their argument is getting so fierce that it's threatening to divide the church. Then there's the letter of Philemon, for example, where Paul literally writes an entire letter to address a relationship issue. This guy had this person working for him and this guy runs away and like steals some stuff and then he becomes a Christian. And then Paul writes to the other guy who got stolen and cheated and Paul tells him, like, receive him as your brother. He's changed. Imagine getting a letter from, from somebody in the church and about the person that stole and cheated and lied to you and telling you, please receive this person into your home. They're Christian now. They're a disciple. They're different now. <laughs> That's what the New Testament is about, right? So, so you, you, can, you can go for it yourself. And, and there's many more verses. And, and I'm not going to talk about it because, like I said, I don't have a three-point sermon I know you know this. You understand family. And there's many ways we could have tackled this topic of family. But let me tell you what I've seen and what I've experienced. And, 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 and I wish I had the time to mention every single person watching this right now. Because I can almost guarantee I have a story with each of you where I've seen and experienced family from you. And, and, and I'm sorry, I don't have all the time. I don't want to keep you here for the next three hours. But I wish we could sit down and I could tell you story after story. And you tell me your stories about how you've experienced family here in this community. So, so what I read, I just want to say, it's not just pages and words in a book. It's experiences that I've had. You know how many times I've slept over with people in places you know how many times I've, I've been fed and taken care of. I remember living with a family for a, about a year rent-free because they, they were trying to take care of me. They were trying to provide for me, provided my food, provided um, my shelter. Th that, that's family. You know, I, <laughs> I'm thinking specifically about the trollops right now. How many people have lived in their house, right? I'm one of them. I've lived in their house before. And, 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 and we gotta, we got to recognize that. And I'm sure there's other people that, that, that you can think about right now that have done that, that have taken care of you. I'm thinking about, yeah, Shimwe's parents. How many times they've fed me, they've clothed me. I remember I used to bring campus students that I was reaching out to, to Papa G and Mama G's house. And we would feed and feast together. And I will never forget one of these campus students that I was studying the Bible with looked at me and he said, that lady talking about Mama G, she's just so hospitable. You just, we came after church and you just rocked up to their house and, 
and she just prepared a huge feast for us because we just were visiting. What's that about? And I was like, that's family. I, I, remember, um, I remember when my mom came to visit, I remember how um, I was so nervous because she has never traveled across continents before. And just by God's grace, Uncle Shawnee was coming back to PE at the same time. And we managed to get their, their flights together um, uh, to kind of synchronize them so that they could fly together. And they, he didn't speak Spanish. My mom didn't speak English. And, and they, they get together on this flight. And, and Uncle Shawnee helps her with, with all of this stuff. And then they have this long layover in the Middle East in the, somewhere where my mom has no idea what to do. And she's tired. She's never traveled so long. And Uncle Shawnee books this almost like a hotel room inside of the, the, the airport so that my mom can rest. And, and I remember when they got here and I, and I, I thank Uncle Shawnee so much. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so grateful that you did this. How can I repay you? And he just looked at me and he said, that's family. I remember that the time where um, my, my friends from AIM and I were traveling to, to, uh, to this school um, in, in the far outside where, where Mom and Tosh used to work. And, and I remember our wheel just burst in, in the road there. Um, uh, it, it's far away from, from PE. Well, in PE standards, anything more than 10 minutes is far away, right? And I remember my friend Bear puts it on the church group. Hey, we, we don't have a jack. We, we can't change the tire. Is anybody available? And, and, and Kuda drove from his job. I have no idea if he took a break, he took his lunch break or whatever. He drove to wherever we're at uh, to help us with the tire because we couldn't change it on ourselves. And, 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 and you think, who does that? And you, that's family. You, you see what I'm talking about? And, and man, I could talk about way many more people and many more stories about person after person that I've encountered, family, I could talk about Auntie Mersh, Auntie Maris, I could talk about the Dutoys, I could talk about Jeepers, all the campus students that stayed in our house and how many times they stayed in our house. There were points where my wife and I were not even in our own house and they were there and they washed our dishes. They, they, yeah, they used the food in the fridge, but they made food for us. And I remember, especially during the pandemic, coming back to that and seeing the smiles on their faces, seeing the bonding and feeling like, and this is, this is family. This is what's supposed to be. I wouldn't be fair without, without talking about, um, I'm thinking about the Mitchells or the Snaymans that my wife and I used to visit. Even before we were dating, we'd just go there and hang out. I, I will never forget the timeless hours playing Catan. And then the depth of the conversation before, after, and in between. I will never forget the night where the, the, the Snayman girls invited my wife and I. It was not the parents. It was the daughters who invited my wife and I. And we played Uno. They just wanted to hang out. Well, what, what kind of kid does that? What kind of kid wants to hang out with adults? But they did. And their parents allowed us. I remember one time the girls wanted to swim and they invited me to come swim with them. Like, like I'm telling you so many stories. I'm thinking about Mama Kay that allowed my wife and I to stay in her house when we absolutely needed a break. Or when the Lucy's just allowed us to go into their flat and use it to, because at the time of the pandemic, my wife and I couldn't travel. So for our anniversary, we took a getaway to the Lucy's flat. You see how many people I'm mentioning because I could mention so many more. 
But let me tell you this story <laughs> because I tell it to the campus students and, and it might be good for you to hear it too. Back in 2015, uh, my disciples had, had just had a baby. Um, and so they were very busy <laughs> um, and they, they um, I mean, uh, who, who, who can take care of a brand new human and then take care of a, an entire ministry and much less take care of me. But, but I remember realizing that I had, that I had some big needs for people to speak into my life. Um, I mean, I had this attraction for this sister. You might know who she is. We're now married. So I needed some advice in that. But more, more than that, I, I needed some, some help in my character. There were some big character flaws that I needed. So I was praying for, for a new disciple because I didn't want to burden my old disciples who had just had a baby, right? Um, and then <laughs> I remember being put in the family group with the managers. I've never been in, in a ministry with them before that. And in that family group, I remember looking at the way that they led, the way that they talked to each other, the way that they parent. And just a couple of um, weeks into the family group, I knew like, I want them to disciple me. And, and it was very clear to me because I saw their faith, I saw their marriage, and I saw their parenting. And I just said to myself, one day I want to be a husband like that, a parent like that, a disciple like that. And I, and I just saw, saw the way that both of them, they were just so incredible in so many ways. So what I did, I, <laughs> I invited myself to their house one time. <laughs> Sunday after church, I was talking to, I can't remember which one of them, but I was like, man, I would love to get to know you better. Could I come to your house one day? And they were like, yeah, absolutely. So we scheduled it and I rock up to their house and I tell them about my life. They told me about theirs. And obviously I tell them about Shimwe and they're like, oh, all right, maybe we should talk this about this more. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. When can I come again then? And they were like, oh, well, whenever you're free. And I was like, how about next week? And they were like, sure, next week works. And then the next week happened. And the same thing happened. And I asked again, can I come next week? And then I asked again, can I come next week? I think about the third or fourth time the managers realized this dude is coming here to stay. So instead of asking every week, we just kind of made it like a weekly thing that Tuesday nights I was spending time with them, right? <laughs> and, and then this, this incredible moment happened. This Tuesday, it was around four or five in the afternoon. We usually meet around seven. I get a call from Sis Pindi and, and she tells me, oh, Jared, I'm so sorry. We can't meet with you today. Um, our friend from Cape Town, who was a disciple here in PE and then moved to Cape Town, is, is here visiting. And we really want to catch up with him. He's, he's coming over for dinner. So I really, I really don't, don't mind. Uh, if you don't mind, please, could, could we just have the time with him? And I was like, oh, yeah, for sure. I understood. I mean, old friends reconnecting, all of that kind of stuff. It was probably around 8, 8.30 when I looked at my clock and I'm like, ah, the guy's probably gone now. I'm going to go to their house. Even though they told me that we could postpone our D time for that week. So I still rocked up to their house. And I remember knocking on their door and them being like super confused. Like they knew they had told me and they were very polite and asking me not to just rock up. And their friend was still there visiting and I just came in and barged in in the middle of what their appointment was, right? And yeah, probably you're shaking your head and you're saying, Jared, that, that's not right. And it's probably not right. But you know how awesome it was to meet their friend and to get to know this person that actually him and his wife actually discipled in some sense my wife in Cape Town. So when we started dating, it almost felt like this, this connection was already there. The, the, the brother leaves, uh, he goes back to where he's sleeping uh, for that night before he goes back to Cape Town. And I stay a little bit longer at the manager's house and I will ne never, ever, ever forget what they told me. 
they told me, Jared, you taught us something today. And I was like, whoa, what, what do you mean? <laughs> and they were like, you don't pretend like we're family. You treat us as family. And, and, and they, they, they basically said this, that when they go to visit their parents, they don't ask who's in town, who's visiting, who's not visiting. They just go because it's their parents, it's family. And I saw them as my parents because my parents were all the way in Mexico and I needed parents to take care of me. So I, I needed time with them. I needed to visit them. And they were like, that's what you did. You didn't mind because that's, that's what family is. And, and, and let me make a disclaimer. I'm not saying everybody should do that. I'm not, there's some people that are going to feel completely disrespected if you just rock up to their house after they told you they couldn't go, right? And, and that, that's not the point. What I'm saying is that at that moment, I started realizing that this, this is not just conversation. This is not just words. This is, this is family relationships that we're talking about where we need each other. Even if it's 11 o'clock at night or 12 o'clock at night, we come into each other's house. We phone each other. We look for each other. I, I have so many more stories of times I've phoned couples for advice for my wife and I to, to continue growing in the middle of the night, late, late, late night. I have stories of people that have fed me, clothed me, cared for me, loved me, invited me to their Christmas parties. When I didn't have family around me, they took care of me and they made sure I wasn't alone on Christmas. I even got Christmas gifts from their relatives. Like, I, I, what, what's that supposed to be? Imagine that kind of unity, the one you read in Acts chapter 2, where they devoted themselves every single day. Nobody had need. I've experienced that because of you. And I am being so unfair because I'm selecting 10, 12 stories out of 100, and I don't have the time to mention each one of you by name. And I'm so sorry if I left you out. Don't get me wrong. I have the memories in my head. I cherish them in my heart. And all of those things that you are thinking about, that we've shared together, I remember. I remember so much that I'm, today I intentionally wore this shirt. This shirt that when I left in 2016 to go to America to study, you guys gave me. And, and I'm looking at my book right now. Mi amor, can you get that book for me, please? A book of treasured moments and memories that each one of you wrote or put a picture about for me. Thank you. You remember this? I do. And I cherish it. And I keep it. I have, I have writings from kids here. From kids telling me how they're going to miss me. Pictures and moments and, and stories and notes and, and baptisms and all of these kinds of stuff because that's what family is all about. So what's my point? Am I just trying to say, man, how an awesome experience, Jared, you've had it. I haven't had that experience. Jared, you don't understand. I, I wanted to have a best friend and nobody's my best friend here. I wanted to be as close to people, but nobody pays attention to me. You got special treatment, Jared, because you were in ministry and all of that stuff. And you might be feeling like this is totally different from you. And, and I'm sorry if your experience is not as sweet and positive as mine. I got to tell you, there's rough stuff that happens in family. I've had disagreements. I've had conflicts. I've fought. I've, I have tears and sweat because of this family. So yeah, absolutely, you're right in saying there's not all color rose. 
But what I'm trying to explain is all of these stories and all of these verses don't just happen. They don't just happen. It's not like somebody just decided, oh, randomly, we're going to make family. No, 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 no. These kinds of stories that I'm talking about, these kinds of moments and gifts and memories that I treasure are completely intentional. What am I trying to say? Well, let, let me actually let the Bible say it for itself. I'm going to read for you. Um, actually, I'm going to read Ephesians first. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 2 and 3 first. It says, Be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Did you hear that Paul says, make every effort? Why is he encouraging us to make every effort? Because the Spirit brings the unity. We don't forge that unity. That unity is not faked or created by us. That unity is brought to us by the Holy Spirit. In Philippians chapter 2 that I was going to read, but I'll leave it for another time. Paul says, is there any encouragement in Christ? Is there any fellowship in the Holy Spirit? Paul understands that the New Testament teaches that we are united by something more important than blood and flesh. We are united by the Holy Spirit himself that lives in you and that lives in me. But at the same time, Paul says, make every effort. In, in Ephesians 2, in Ephesians 4, in Philippians 2, Paul says, make my joy complete by trying together to be of the same mind. It's intentional. That's what I'm trying to say. In order to achieve this type of stories, in order to look at Acts chapter 2 and be like, we need to be that kind of church, we got to understand two things. One, the Spirit brings that unity, so we better allow the Spirit to work. And two, we got to be incredibly intentional to build it. we got to make every effort. If we do not make every effort to do this, we're not going to have that unity. And the last year and a half has been threatening that unity by pulling us apart in so many ways. I'm not just talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about worldviews and occasions and difficulties and circumstances that are just bringing us aside and, and they're threatening us. And I'm not saying they're winning. Don't get me wrong. I'm not rebuking anybody here. I'm just saying the possibility for that unity to be dismantled is always a threat because the enemy doesn't like unity. Because where there's unity, there's blessing, so says Psalms 133. Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, when we're united, we, we, the world is scared. Because to see this group of people that are being so diverse, that are so different, but that are so united in one goal, in spirit and in heart, is scary. You don't see that just in jail. That is totally, totally scary. So what I'm trying to say is that the enemy is going to do every single thing he can to separate us, to divide us, to make us be people that just see each other on Sundays and are comfortable with that, that say hi. And then when we see each other at restaurants, we're like, oh, I go to church with that person. Instead of when we see each other at restaurants, go and sit down because we're family. So let me make a couple of disclaimers here. One. I'm a complete extrovert and I'm leaning heavily on the extrovert side of me. So you might be thinking, Janet, I'm not an extrovert. I can't put myself out there. I don't invite myself to people's houses. I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I don't have the courage to do that. And I get that. That's okay. 
And you might be thinking of all of these things that being family entails and you might be feeling so overwhelmed and I get that. You know, as I'm reading the Bible more and more and actually as I'm watching this TV show called The Chosen, I'm starting to kind of wonder if Jesus had a personality, maybe he was an introvert. It seems like he really enjoyed his time alone and he went so often, we read in the Gospels, he spent time alone. But you know what's the difference between Jesus and us? That when we spend time alone, it's because we need a break from these people. These people are too overwhelming. These people are too hectic. I can't take that. And that's okay. Please listen to me. If you're an introvert and it's hard for you to always be around people, it's okay if you need your break. But be like Jesus in this. Jesus didn't take the break because he couldn't handle people anymore. Jesus was so selfless that when he took the break, it's because he knew that if he charged himself with God, if he spent time in prayer, if he focused his mind in the presence of God, he would be able to love better and give better and do better for the people around him. That's why Jesus constantly went by himself. Not because you, these people are too overwhelming. Yeah, maybe they are. But because he knows if I don't do this, I'm not going to be as loving, as patient, as kind, as selfless as I can be for them. So brother or sister, you're an introvert. Putting yourself out there is not your thing. That's okay. Spend time alone. Take Sabbath. Recharge But don't recharge because you're exhausted from work. Recharge so you can work better. You know, we need to really lean on that idea. Sabbath starts in the evening, evening and morning. The day starts with rest. Why does it start with rest, says Genesis 1? So that we can work better. We don't run to Sabbath because we're so tired from work. No, we embrace Sabbath and we welcome it because we know that this will give us the peace, the mentality, the maturity to go into our week full of work with love and peace and generosity and family-oriented actions. Like 1 John 3 verse 18 says. Disclaimer number two, I'm not in any way disregarding that we still live in a pandemic. I am not saying that, man, you should now go and be in everybody's houses. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, I get that. I'm not trying to say that you have less or more faith. That's not my point here at all. I'm not measuring faith. All I'm saying is that if you do not feel safe enough to go out there and meet with people and be in interaction with people because of this pandemic, there's many other ways where we can be family. You know, we have so much technology. It takes no point. It takes no effort to to have a phone call, to send a text, to just say, hey, I'm praying for you. Or what can I pray for you? Make some cookies and deliver them. Order Uber Eats for that person. Send them flowers. Figure out a way to let this person know I'm thinking about you. I have you in my heart. We're still family. I long to see you, but I can't because I'm afraid because I don't want to put you at risk. I don't want to put myself at risk. I don't want to put anybody else at risk. I get that. Totally get that. Is there any way you can still demonstrate to the person around you that you love them as a family member would? Because if there is a way, I'm begging you. Do it. Be intentional because otherwise in another year from now, if we keep on not seeing each other, we're not going to feel like family. We're not going to feel like we belong to one another and that we're connected. It's sad, but think about it. You never do anything else in life that way. When you're intentional about something, you know, you know, you have to do something about it. 
I know that there's this romantic side of me and maybe of you that wish all of this just happened organically. And you might be thinking, Jared, if we really love each other, like Jesus says, we're just going to be awesome in relationship and talk to each other and have lots of fun. And yes, maybe that's true. Maybe it should happen organically, but there's no part of our life that we treat that way. Think about it. I am married to my beautiful wife and I'm absolutely in love with her. And yes, I wish things happened organically where we would spend time and hang out together and connect with each other. But between our 30-hour shifts and me being busy every night with different meetings and agendas, if we don't carve out time and set out specific time that we usually call date night, we're never going to have that time together that we need, that we want It's not because we're being all structured and organized. No, no, no. It's because we genuinely desire for a beautiful organic relationship to spring out of there. So what do we do? We set up a time. We have family night. Maybe you have family night with your kids. Or maybe you have family night with your household in which you live in. Or you have what you call, I I, I don't know, for example, you exercise a lot. You have this discipline. You don't just randomly go for a run or randomly go to the gym. It's not like, oh, organically, I'm just going to get fit. No, you become intentional. You absolutely become intentional because you know that's what it needs. That's what it requires. So please, I'm asking you, this unity that the Holy Spirit brought to us, let's be intentional to keep it. Let's make every effort to bring and keep the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. If you're afraid... Make every effort in a creative way. If you're an introvert, take the time you need so that you can be loving and serving out there. If you're an extrovert, respect the introverts and don't feel touched when sometimes they say, I can't today, but I can tomorrow. I know we as extroverts feel so, so discouraged when we want to meet and meet and meet and nobody wants to meet. Not everybody's like us, my brother and my sister. We got to be patient and loving and make every effort to meet them on their terms as well. Just like they will make every effort to meet them, on, to meet us on our terms, extroverted and party kind of crazy. Every single one of us has to do something to be intentional. So please, please, I'm not trying to rebuke. I'm not trying to challenge. I'm just saying, let's keep going. Those stories that I've been sharing, they're not accidents. They happen because the Holy Spirit brings unity and because we were intentional to build those stories. And I know I'm taking long, so please just hang on with me a few more minutes. I'm almost done. I heard this wise lady once say, don't miss church because eventually you won't miss church. Do you hear that? Don't miss church. Don't stop going to church. Our date night is Sunday morning, our date night is Wednesday night. Our date night as a church is whenever we go to each other's houses. Our date night as a church is whenever we have D times or whenever we talk to each other on prayer walks or whenever we get together on whatever platform or way because we know that we've got to carve out that intentional time. Don't miss those times because eventually you won't miss them anymore. You'll be like, ah, what's the point? What am I doing this for? I'm not learning anything. I have more important things to do. Don't miss church because eventually you won't miss it. And if one thing this pandemic might be accomplishing is that many of us might not miss it in a few months from now. Many of us might get so accustomed to this online thing that we're like, well, we don't need it anymore. I just read my Bible every day. I pray every day and I listen to a sermon on Sunday and I'm good for the week. No, 
That's not church. Church is relationship. Church is engagement. I get it. I already said it. You don't want to go outside. Then build relationship other way. But if you do want to go outside, please do not miss the opportunity to be with your brothers and sisters. And here's where I need to talk to you from the heart. My wife and I beg for those times. My wife and I wake up every day and every weekend wishing we could meet with another community of believers and worship him in song all together and lift our hands and say, God is here. Yes, we do that with each other. But you know how much better it feels when I'm with all of you? I miss you. I miss singing next to you. I miss hearing preaching next to you. I miss hearing amen after I'm saying something that nobody can say it because I'm talking to a camera right now. I miss our soccer games. I miss walking on the beach with my brothers. I miss the campus students being in my house and eating and having deep discussions until we cannot comprehend how beautiful Jesus is anymore. I miss getting together and having deep chats and coffees and tears and smiles. I miss all of you. I don't get to be with you, but you do. You do. So please don't waste it. I wish I could be in your position. I wish I could be meeting with my brothers and sisters. You can. So please don't waste it. Take hold of it. Grab hold. Serve one another. Campus students, if you want to get to know the families in the church, ask if you can serve them. Can I babysit your kids? Can I wash your car? Can I take care of your plants? Can I whatever? If they don't want to, if they don't feel safe, you coming to their house, then let's find another way. Parents, families. There's students that that left their hometown, that left their families, that left the people that they know, that they feel so alone in their restes. Please surround them like family. They need moms and dads. They need brothers and sisters. They need aunties and uncles. They, They might even have younger siblings and taking care of your kids reminds them of how it feels when they have younger siblings around them. Singles, you have absolutely every opportunity to serve. You're at the right time, at the prime spot to serve married, to serve campus, to serve teens, to serve the kids, to serve anybody else because you don't have all of this other... Let me not say that. You have responsibilities. You take care of your families back at home. I'm sure some of you do. Absolutely. And I'm sure there's other responsibilities on you. But man, God has gifted you with time with so much time. Maybe work takes so much of that time and it's hard. And I'm so sorry that it's so hard, but you are young still. You can still go for it. I look at the the, the amazing older women in our church community and I look at them and I'm like, I'll follow that example. Follow that example. They are deep on the word. They are deep in relationship. They are deep on Bible studies, reaching out to other people. They're deep building community and faith amongst each other. Look at those women and follow their example. Leaders, please, let's go to the to people that haven't been here for a while. They miss us just like we miss them. Let's go visit them. Let's go hang out with them. Because they, they, there's nothing like when you have a visitor coming to your house. Not too long ago, we had this brother from Joburg drive three hours just to spend two hours with us. And then he drove three hours back 
That, that meant so much to us that somebody's willing to come to drive and meet with us. Imagine how much more special will it be when you come constantly to visit them. There's people in the fringes that are feeling alone and isolated. Let's take care of them. Let's visit them. And man, I can keep going and I'm so sorry. This is so long. Please forgive me. But all I'm trying to say is don't miss family. Because if you miss it, you'll eventually won't miss them. Don't waste the opportunity God has given you. Family is right here. And let me finish with what the word of God says. Brothers and sisters, let's make every effort to keep the unity, to be rooted in family like Christ called us to be. Because if we do this, if we genuinely love one another, the world around us will know we're his disciples.